0: Hey, welcome to a new episode of the Superpowered Fancast. This is Darren. So it's a new year, and um, there's a lot been going on from the last episode that I did to now. We've dealt with a lot, we've, uh, especially the loss of uh, the an icon uh, like Stan Lee. But it's a new year, and we've got the legacy of... The man's work to see us through to the next uh, next to the next generation, the generation after that. So he will definitely be missed, but never forgotten. Um, but as it is a new year, and I know I keep saying that, but uh, let's renew. Let's get back into uh, a creative mindset. Let's get back into the creative world. And to do that, uh, I talked with um, talked with a, a previous guest, a friend of the show. And uh someone who I I, I love just having conversations uh, with about everything under the sun, uh, including and especially comics, uh, Mr. Scott Snyder. So Scott uh, reached out to me because uh, we had been uh, we've been trying to get together and talk uh, back and forth for months, but you know with him being as busy as he is with uh, Justice League and Batman Who Laughs and all the work he's doing, the 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 world and the the road that he's laying down for for the DC universe going forward, uh, he it is absolutely understandable that he doesn't have necessarily have time to to sit down and talk. But the fact that he took time out of his schedule to to talk to me about uh, Justice League and Batman Who Laughs and his process and what he loves about creator owned uh, work and and, and kind of his process um is is something that i absolutely appreciate and um i don't want to get i mean i, I really don't want to bury the league too much it's it's a great uh i think we had a great time talking and I, I definitely want you all to to hear it but um he also has some 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 big personal news going on in his life so uh, but there are things that I cut out at the end of the interview. There are things that I wanted to. That I'm holding on to myself that I'm going to uh, release um, later. Just to just to there there's spoilers for future uh, future issues of Batman Who Laughs and Justice League that uh, I kind of want to uh, release uh, closer to the times that they're that they're going to come out so that they're not spoiled for readers. Because I know I, I as much as I love having things. Spoiled, Having things spoiled, I don't. Well, no, I don't really love having things spoiled. But the fact that I don't mind having things spoiled by the writer, because even though I know uh, where the story is going, it's the execution that I enjoy. Uh, I don't want to, you know, take that away from you guys. I, I want to give you guys the ability to um, discover. So I'm, I'm going to hold some of those things to uh, a little close to the chest for a while. Until I can, until I write about them a little bit closer to the to their uh, release dates. But uh, without uh, further ado, um, take it away, uh, Mister Scott Snyder. I guess uh, if I just want to go ahead and start this, like because that that recent issue. Yeah, of sure, ju- let's do it, man. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll talk about anything you want. Okay, cool. Okay, so the recent issue of Justice League like hinted at a hidden history of the multiverse now. Now, are there any things that you want to tease about what we can expect um, from that history? Like, um, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing I'd
1: stress to people is just that this sort of big design is something we built into metal. So metal was sort of, if it worked, if people didn't totally reject it and hate it, <laughs> it was <laughs> going to be a template for a bunch of stories that we're going to kind of spin out of it and then go their separate ways after No Justice, and then come back together over the summer into the fall for a couple things we'll be announcing soon. Um, so the history ties into everything you saw on metal. It's not a separate history. It's sort of um, the extension of some of that same mythology you saw Daniel Sandman um present to Batman and Superman in the Dark Multiverse. So he spoke of a world forger who existed at the forge and was the third sort of being the brother of the monitor and the Mm anti-monitor. And what you're going to learn big spoiler, but I'll spoil it for you because you're going to see it soon, and I think it's in 16, it's in 16, so it's coming soon, is that their mother is sort of a celestial being who has her own history as well, the being that created her, and that's the being they keep whispering about, Perpetua, um, who we heard her name, you know, okay. issues ago from uh, from the Batman Who Laughs and um, in, uh, in uh, Justice League 8, so we've been feeding it for quite a while, um, but this is where that story really kind of explodes, as is in issue 16, um, and then in the annual, and then 17. So these kind of issues coming up, 16 is um, a Martian Manhunter's big sort of talk with the Martian keep, who's mm-hmm. the, the repository of all memory from Mars, from his home planet, the last living Martian other than himself. And so she... Has all of these secrets that she can reveal to him both about the death of his planet but also the fact that he was brought to Earth once before the fact that um, Mars plays a bigger role in this story of the history of the multiverse than he understands and that happens in 16 and then in the annual they use that knowledge to try and save the Source Wall once and for all the Justice League, Justice League Odyssey (laughs) everybody's in it (laughs) from Kyle Rayner all the way down and then um, when they, spoiler, <laughs> in that, um, that engenders the events of 17 where Lex Luth- Martian and Manhunter invites Lex Luthor to Mars, the two of them secretly to have a showdown um, and also to, to try and find a bridge between them to stop all of this from happening. And that, what happens there sets off the second half of our big story. So it's almost like everything up to about 17, 18 is kind of like the first third, I would say, really, of what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second big section of our story begins right after that, so, which, which has the multiverse becoming, I think, much more a much more dangerous, catastrophic, and kind of chaotic place. And you'll see a lot of those things play out through other storylines as well. So that's, that's,
0: uh, that's I hope that's not too much, but that's. I think that's a lot. <laughs> and I, it is because I, I really wanted to is the I, I really wanted to, to kind of get back to like the the source wall because we know it's it's been shattered with you know dealing with what's what's coming through, but um. But yeah, I'm I'm glad that you're that you're touching on the fact that yeah that at some point they need to try and repair it. So I'm I just definitely, I, I'm interested in seeing how that's going to play out.
1: Yeah, that's in the annual. The annual, it, it, I'm really proud of this issue. It just went to printer to the printer. It comes out in, um, I think, three. it's the last Wednesday of January, I'm pretty sure. But it's 38 pages. It's just a monster of an issue. And um, it has some huge emotional moments between Kendra and uh, Martian Manhunter, Hawkgirl and Martian Manhunter. Um, it really is a big turning point for Batman as well. And uh, th- what we do is we return to No Justice. So what they realize is, <laughs> I'm spoiling everything, what they realize is um, the Omega Titans, as scary as they were, were actually the Source Walls alarm system. Mm-hmm. Essentially, when it breaks, these things need to power themselves up in order to be able to go back and... And patch the wall with these different energies mm-hmm. so they have to recreate the entropy titan that they destroyed in No Justice to be able to patch the wall and that's part of Kendra's big story in her role so that whole sort of epic <laughs> takes place in uh, in the annual and the results of that then feed the second half of our big story so it really is like I mean it builds to, I'm going to give even more but we're building to a big justice doom war we're building to um Luthor's kind of final final plan, um, which is really going to spread across the DCU in summer. Mm -hmm. So we have a really big design and the rise of Perpetua herself, the being who um, essentially is, uh, you know, the most powerful in the DC universe and whispered to Barbatos to create the story of metal. Um, her return and the idea of what she wants to do to her sons because of what they did to her is pretty fun, too. So there's a lot of stuff between that. Um, I think, you know, uh, we've been teasing characters that are coming back, a lot of things that we're going to play with, but this is really my big kind of soap opera opus with James Tynan, and it's sort of like the biggest story I could possibly do, at DC in a different format. I've never done something that's like 50 issues long. Batman, I spent 50 issues on, but I always treated it as like one arc. Every arc was a singular book. You know, I didn't understand how to do a run like this until the end of Batman where I started to do... You know, Endgame into super heavy and that stuff. Um, but you know, when I started Batman, I really just didn't think they'd ever keep me very long. So it was always like, how do I swing for the fence and do one story? They'll, they'll, I can do that. Will be the best thing I'm capable of at this point in my career. Even though Death of the Family was always kind of a part one, I didn't. I was like, if I don't get to do part two, at least I can do this. So it was always that. And Justice League is designed as one long narrative you know it has its arc Mm -hmm. that you can fit into books but it's not designed for a single trade at all it's designed for you to get immersed in it and feel it as one giant tapestry story that kind of goes all over the dcu and involves different characters in different ways
0: you've taken on this new you've taken on this new undertaking uh with this with this uh 50 issue arc for just like what 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 would you say would are some of the challenges like not you know not even in a bad way. What do you What do you find is some of the uh, some of the things that have challenged you as a storyteller? In, in well, I think it goes against. That's a good question. I mean,
1: <laughs> I think I have a tendency to want to put everything up front. I'm very aware of how expensive comics are, and I'm aware of um, you know how short attention spans are because mine is short, um, and I think I'm also aware of how the ways in which we consume entertainment are changing really rapidly. And, um, you know, for me, I'm now used to, as my kids are, consuming shows in this binge style, no matter what, you know, and they often don't want to watch something if they don't get to binge it. So there's kind of a whole, I think, at least for me, uh, muscle memory from being on Batman, and, you know, that sense of always needing it to be at its absolute biggest, most explosive kind of, and personal all at once, that I'm not good at decompression. You yeah. know, I'm not one to be like, this is going to play out over 20 issues or 40 issues. I'm like, it's like metal is only six issues technically. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it was a humongo, nutty event. That's what my, I'm, I'm built for that a lot of the time, you know, but my roots where I came from you know with American Vampire and the stuff that I did in prose was what I'm doing on Justice League which is much more kind of you know novelistic so I enjoy this stuff a lot more when it's spread out no I don't enjoy it more I mean I just I'm enjoying the process of getting back to that kind of more expansive storytelling Mm -hmm. so the challenge is I think making sure that nothing feels decompressed I don't think it does on Justice League but making sure also that you don't reveal too much or stuff too much in too fast and with the exception of the first arc which I wanted to feel almost just so loaded with ideas and and energy and concepts and crazy moments that you could just feel we were trying to just shake you by the throat and say Justice League isn't the book that it used to be and it's something that kind of demands attention for the kind of the ambition that it has and the scope for the DCU. Mm-hmm. Outside of that arc, I'm trying to really balance it and have it be something that um, is character-driven and and personal and emotional and yet at the same time always kind of has its high concept, you know, over-the-top elements as well.
0: The thing I love the most about the book is that it's such a huge story, but it's still so intimately character-driven that... Thanks. Yeah, I just... I'm... Um, as much as I'm enjoying how big everything's getting and how dense the storytelling is, and how um, how it's pushing so much of the D- of the DC universe forward, I love it's taking it's doing it because the characters are discovering, the characters are developing, the characters are learning, and I think that's the reason why it's working so much. Rather, it's just being something that is big for the sake of bigness it's 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 character driven i think that's what that's what makes it work for me
1: that means a lot to hear i'm trying hard you know it's just uh, i think sometimes um it's funny i'm also learning a lot from james because mm-hmm. his he's been doing so many team books for so long and yeah. team books american vampire can be a team book at times but you know, outside of occasional arcs, I'm so I'm so used to just single story, single character stories that it's a lot of fun to sort of um, have him, who was my student a long time ago, now kind of help me be a teacher about how to balance such a large cast of characters.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask: Did you ever um, did you ever get you know sometimes when you're writing something and you when you're writing Justice League, do you ever think, okay, wait, you know what, I'm getting I'm making this too Batman-centric, like I'm falling back into my Batman uh, Oh yeah, Batman I mean, I think, I think on Justice League,
1: I think I've been pretty careful to actually keep him pretty minor, so he, I'm more worried that I'm almost giving too much screen time to other characters, like Martian Manhunter, and Cockgirl, mm-hmm. and Superman comes in really big, and you know, John Stewart, I really, I, I think... I do worry about it, but I am.
0: Um, I'm trying to play Batman for comic relief a lot in the first few arcs. Yes. <laughs> and then um,
1: what happens is he really has a moment after the annual where he's he just he sees it clearly and he's like, "You guys don't keep you're not looking at it, but we're losing all the time. Like we're he's playing us at every turn, and this is this just could be too big for us. We're gonna need to." change our thinking and he starts to go down a bit of a dangerous path with that so a lot of the kind of humor at his failure and those kinds of things I think takes on a a more emotional um, a more emotional kind of uh, element once we get past January.
0: Yeah and on that note I mean because I I think what's the reason why I another thing that I'm enjoying is is that uh, even though uh, you know Batman has his 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 factor and his voice and his um, his ability in, in Justice League, you're still kind of keeping like the Batman Who Laughs story, is just mm-hmm. is just definitely just straight Batman, and it's and it's pushing so many like different boundaries that I like I just just on issue two, I, I've I've been completely blown away with just everything that you've been been doing with it, and and. Thanks, man. Yeah, and Jock's art has just punctuated everything. It just made everything just like... Oh, he's just, bringing his A-game, dude. Oh, yeah. He's, he, he's been waiting to do this one with me for a while. You know, when I
1: wrote the character or created him for Metal with Craig, I knew I wouldn't have time to do a good story with him where he really was facing off with Batman specifically because mm-hmm. Metal was such a bonkers gonzo over-the-top DCU events that I knew that I, the best I was going to get is like one fight with him yeah. so um, I started planning it before we did Metal I said if, if Metal is a hit I said to Dan DiDio to and Jim Lee I was like can I do a Batman who laughs story and uh, they were like yeah sure you know and I said I wanted to do it with Jock and so I've been planning it a long time and it was something that I wanted to do both for my own sense of balance I think because Justice League is so cosmic, and yeah. like you said, it's really character driven. But it's got a big cast, and this I wanted to be really intimate. I wanted to do something that would flex the other side of your my creative musculature entirely, and be like, okay, this is you know uh, dark and really, really psychological and intensely up close all the time, you know. And I wanted it to feel like coming home to Gotham, but yeah. doing it in a way that went past anything that I'd done. So for me, you know, I don't really know when I'm going to come back to Gotham again in a real way anymore, because the book with Greg Capullo, Last Night on Earth, that's a DCU story, not like metal, it's it's a quieter, darker story, but it mm-hmm. takes you across the DCU and it's, the cast is very large, it has everybody in it from Vixen to Wonder Woman to you know, Lex Luthor and Superman, everybody, Spectre. Mm -hmm. So it's all over the place where this is like a Gotham, Gotham story. And I don't, I don't know if I have, I really don't know when I'm going to come back again, you know, so that for me, it's not that I don't have ideas. I have a lot, but I mean, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I want to give other people a chance in Gotham. And I had such a great long time there that I don't want to crowd it. Mm -hmm. Um, but when I have a really special idea for, that I love, like this, then I'm willing to do it if I can do it right. And so DC was really generous and was like, you can work with whoever you want. We have Eduardo Risso for The Grim Knight, um, One Shot, and Jock and David Barron, my partners from Black Mirror. And mm-hmm. I wanted it really to be an exploration deeply of whether or not Batman is lying to himself about being effective at all and Batman Last comes here and is like out of all the Batman in the multiverse you're the worst you're yeah. the weakest you're the you're the saddest you get no contentment you achieve nothing and I'm just gonna blow past you you're gonna see like and so it's a it's a really deep meditation on not only for me at least like what makes Batman happy but what um what uh why it's almost kind of whether or not he's doing the right thing, honestly, doing what he's doing. So it's it's very probing and, you know, it brings back a lot of elements from our first, my first Batman story from James Jr. and uh, Jim Gordon and a lot of ideas from the Black Mirror. But it has this kind of cosmic horror nightmare element to it um, that I think pushes it in a direction that's brand new for
0: me. So I'm really proud of it. Oh yeah, I mean absolutely. That's one of the things that you know. Ever since he was entered, he was introduced. It's been, I think, I I, I know uh, fans have been clamoring for, you know, them to go up against each other and what that would look like. And it's the fact that it's you, it's it's physical, it's psychological, it's uh, it's so many elements to it that uh, that are clicking. Like I mean, because I'm sure you've been asked. A lot about the inspiration behind it. My question is like knowing that it, that it's an in-game scenario that Joker has considered. Like, I, I just I've always wanted to know why is Joker so disturbed by Batman who laughs presence? Like, is it, like, well, is wrote, it fear I, or it, jealousy? It, it, like, what?
1: It's fine. You should say that. I, I just lettered that scene today. It's in issue four, and um, right after that, we're doing like a Grim Night one shot that shows mm-hmm. his story and what he's been doing here. And as much as people, I think sometimes are like, oh, one shots. This is a, this is honestly a fantastic issue. I'm not trying to sell it to you on the cheap. If you don't, if you don't think it's great out there, anyone listening to this or reading this or whatever, I will eat my hat. But Eduardo, I mean, I've always wanted to work with him, you know, and the level of darkness he's bringing to it is amazing. It's basically an origin story for Batman. If Bruce, if Joe Chill dropped the gun, in the alley after shooting Martha and Thomas. Mm -hmm. And Bruce Wayne picked it up and shot him. And then everything forward from that is him taking control of Gotham through lethal force. And the thing I I would just say as a side note, it's a total side note, but I know that we try, I'm trying to be also very sensitive to the idea of artists a lot of the time really like drawing him with lots of guns because it's so odd to see Batman with guns and that stuff. But that's not really what he's about. He he actually barely uses guns in the story. He really more... What makes him scary to me isn't that, but he he hooks into got into Gotham's systems and on his world, he's sort of a multi-billion dollar industrialist. He's a whole walking military complex. So mm-hmm. if you, um, if he wants to kill you, your car just goes off a bridge because he has stuff in your GPS, you know, you wouldn't even know it's him or like CO2 comes out in your apartment and just kills you in the middle of the night and you don't know he did it. So what's scary about him isn't the guns. And he, again, it's not something we're something we're trying to be sensitive about. Cause I'm, yeah. you know, very, I have my own strong beliefs about gun control and so on, but it's, and not even that it's, it's honestly just Batman is a character who by nature does not use guns. And, and we're not trying to celebrate that. He's this character is supposed to be Batman's second worst nightmare of himself. And it's not the guns. It's the use of lethal force in general, you know, that makes him a nightmarish character to me. And we want to make sure that people understand that about him. But the, um, The sort of um, going back to what you were asking, uh, issue four, after the Grim Knight um, sort of one shot, Batman is going to check on this. He has this fail safe he developed for the Joker, and it's based on an old Gotham design from the 1800s to 1900s, early 1900s, called The Last Laugh, and it seals Gotham off essentially um, as much as you can so that if there were ever an attack, it would be it wouldn't be able to become and he said nothing would be virulent that would go out he never wants Gotham to become the start of a worldwide infection mm-hmm. and so he goes to check on this because he knows the Batman who laps is trying to dismantle it so he can't use it against him and he's at this underground reservoir and the Joker's there and um, he attacks him of course he attacks the Joker of course but Joker's really weak his heart's all stitched up but he's really scary looking and uh, he's says to Batman, um, I never wanted this to happen, you know, and he's like, well, you put that shit in your chest, you know, you did this, you did this for a reason. And he's like, I never thought you would do it. You, you, I knew you would never kill me. Like the whole point of it, the whole point is because you knew it was there too deep down and always at the end of the day my role, and he says, I'm I'm evil, don't get me wrong, like I'll kill and maim and do everything horrible. Mm-hmm. But in Joker's mind, it's to make Batman stronger and continue this dance with him forever that, that kind of goes back and forth between meaninglessness and meaning. But he says, everything you do, I'll try and tear down and dismantle and try and get you to doubt every belief you have all the time. And I believe I'm right that you should. But it will never. I never want you actually to break, you know. Yeah. So he's like, that thing out there is not what I. I didn't want that, you know. Yeah. So it's it's very to me. Joker doesn't want Batman ever to cross that line. In my version of the Joker, mm-hmm. he doesn't want, but he doesn't have the, He doesn't want Batman to kill him. He loves bringing him as far as he can towards that, and he will do everything in his power to do it. And he he doesn't hold back, but he has faith in Batman himself not to cross that line. I think too. So the Batman Lives is a total abomination for them both, you know, which is why I think he hates him so much and is scared of him, the Joker. And they face off as well again, you know. Batman Lives is he's he is so fun to write because he is scary as hell, man. In issue four. In issue four there's a scene with him that gave me like chills writing him where he he tricks he surprises Bruce by hiding among people at one point. You don't know he's there. And he, when he comes out, I just writing it gave me the chills the way that scene in Death of the Family when Joker is moving through the police station in the dark did too. It's just some scenes you're just like, I what am I doing? This is too spooky.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, because he is so disturbing, that's so, like you, that's why I wondered about that, but just your your view on the Joker just was really, really profound. And it, I mean, it is it definitely answered my question. So my question is, and, and another question I have is that because he seems to be so focused on on Bruce, is he only concentrating on Bruce, or does he have plans for the rest of the Bat Family? Well, Joker.
1: I mean, with Joker, Joker to me is locked in a in a kind of battle with Bruce forever the two of them are two sides of the same coin and mm-hmm. the the Batman who laughs is kind of the abominable thing if you like melted the coin together mm-hmm. but the idea is that the, the Joker is trying to prove something to Bruce all the time Batman who laughs does not care about proving anything he's just an apex predator he's just if you see him he's already thought of ten ways to kill you mm-hmm. like you're already dead you know what I mean that's the way I see him is that if, if, you, if he sets his sights on you or you encounter him, he wouldn't come near you if he didn't have many ways to take you down already. Mm-hmm. He's like Batman, the living embodiment of the tenet that Batman always wins. So he's terrifying to me in that regard because he has no morals whatsoever. And he deeply believes that he's meant to, he wants, all he wants to do is conquer and win. And the way you win it, he believes winning is happiness, and he believes people want to be on the winning side, <laughs> and that means his side, and so on. And so he is just a terrifying force of nature. Um, you know, uh, and that he doesn't have plans for anyone specifically that doesn't matter to him, that isn't going to stand in his way. So he has a plan for Batman. But he has a plan he has a million plans for each bat family. I just didn't want to bring them all in because I no. worried that it would get too crowded. So James Junior is already in there, Jim Gordon, but he has plans for everybody you would encounter. Meaning I wish that they would do something where he fights everybody. I'd love to see like Nightwing fight him and whatever. Yeah. Because the scary thing about him is that people forget, I think they, they just think of him as like this joker this joker in a Bat suit sometimes, but it's the reverse where he's he's bruce wayne but he's devoid of morals so he he knows everything and he remembers everything and that's what's so scary about writing him and about he knows everything batman knows so you know god forbid when he sees alfred
0: you know that's he's like you know can we expect to see like any more batman show up like is he is he i mean i know he was holding back the grim knight is he holding back anybody else that we don't know No, i didn't
1: Mm-hmm. I was even worried about bringing Grim Knight in, but I was like, "I need one more because I I need I, I had Grim Knight in metal in my first draft, mm-hmm. but he he stole the show from everybody. He he overpowered all the other Dark Knights. Everybody liked him the most, and he outside of that many laughs they liked the most by far. But beneath him, it almost became like then I had the Grim Knight and then I had the other Dark Knights and no matter how many times I tried to put him in the group people just kept kind of wanting to write him outside of it so and make him the you know mini boss and so Mm -hmm. I just realized there wasn't room for him so I put him in here instead and to me he's a perfect mini boss because he's he's the one that kind of stands between Bruce and the Batman who laughs and he has his own plans because as you learn in the Grim Knight one-shot and stuff, his history with Jim, on his world, Jim Gordon's the one that brought him down because, you know, he has a reverse relationship with him there because, you know, you see the history of Batman with the Grim Knight in that issue and it's really, you'll see towards the end there's a lot of, a lot of (laughs) kind of explosive things but, at the end, so did Black Mirror. I mean, I really want to keep it in the spirit of that book. I want to keep it something extremely dark and, you know, uh, personal. And the James Jr. stuff especially is the stuff that the way he talks to his father, the things that he's trying to do with his life, all of that stuff is meant to be really painful. And, you know, Bruce's kind of dissent as he turns more and more into the Batman Who Laughs it's really hard to write because it's scary you know mm-hmm. he starts seeing the worst in people literally like he'll walk down the street as he's starting to change and he sees the things they want to do or they think about but it's filtered to the dark so he sees like a woman with a baby carriage wanting to push the baby carriage into the road and stuff you know he sees the the impulses that we don't want to admit are there that we would never do mm-hmm. breaking, some, breaking a window and stealing all those things that are just like behind you know and he sees Gotham in this terribly ugly way. So it's scary, and it's drawn really scary too. It's like all ghostly and twisted.
0: It's so dark, but it's pushing. It's pushing the story and the characters in a way where, where as dark as it gets, it's it becomes it's it's interesting. Just the the process of it.
1: Thanks. And there's still I try and keep some like. There's occasional moments of humor, like even an issue two when he's like, "Get your effing hands back in that effing clown." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that Alfred, really that things like that. And then there's the defibrillator in three and four. Four has a couple moments that I really like too. Where he has some. It has some. Moment, four is pretty dark, <laughs> yeah. but it's got um, it's got it's it's got its touches.
0: So, do you feel like there's a a, a different? um do you get into a different and i know this is probably gonna sound dumb but do you ever get into do you get into like a different like mind space when you're writing a team book versus when you're writing a uh a a a single character kind of story oh
1: yeah entirely it doesn't sound dumb at all it it, they're all really different you know and i can't write them at the same time i have to take like um at least a week on each book. Mm-hmm. So when I'm working on Batman who Laughs, like I am this week, um, the office doesn't send me I don't get anything about Justice League, meaning I'm not mm-hmm. I don't want to see it. I don't want to talk about lettering. I don't want anything from it, you yes, know. Sir. So I'm on a schedule where that, that's doable, meaning I, I'm not like, I don't care if it's late. <laughs> I just mean I get you know, I work in a way with them where they set me a really good schedule and a rigid schedule that says, if you get this done here, this done here, this done here, and I've, you know, I'm proud of the fact that I'm never, I'm, I'm really never late with things, you know, there, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll be, you know, I might be a day or two or hand in something partial, but I'm usually pretty early with everything, so um, I just need the, mostly for exactly the reason you're asking, I need the compartmentalization of it, like, yeah. if it gets late and I have to write two books in one week, it's just a mess, I need... I need the week to just be isolated. So if I need to look things up, if I need to think about, go for a run and think about the world of that story, I have the boundary of the weekend on either side. And it's just this week is just this book. So, you know, a lot of the time you wind up, I'll read stories that are similar to the one I'm working on or Mm -hmm. that stuff to get in the mindset. And so I'm trying to just really immerse myself in that one book for that week. But it's very different. I mean, writing a team book, it's more just the tone. I mean, Justice League, if you think about it, a lot of the books that I'm working on this year are about sort of the potential for darkness in human nature and mm-hmm. whether we're more naturally inclined towards that than towards good. Um, but, you know, you wouldn't know it necessarily to look at Justice League, which I think is, you know, Jaro and Batman and Aquaman, <laughs> Sea Gods attacking and cosmic pirate ships. But that theme runs all the way through it with Luthor. whereas Batman Who Laughs, he, as a character and in the series, has um, a belief about humanity that's somewhat similar but slightly different. It's more about what makes us happy and what gives us joy, and that series is just a totally different beast. When the pacing is different, the um, the way you I structure scenes is different, you know, the... Um, priorities are different, the tone, everything is different, you know, so it's like writing completely different um, worlds at once, you know, so I need, I need a big break between them. Okay. Even if they explore similar subject matter, you know.
0: Right. So, I mean, you, you, you find a way to just say, okay, well, this week is just all uh, Justice League and. I don't want to think about anything else. Like I have to get, I have to get from point A to point Z in Justice League this week to tell yep. this. and they know that. Like in the office,
1: like they help me. So, like this week, for example, you know, I'm writing a draft of <laughs> Batman: The Last Six, and I'm going to hand it to them. And at the end of the week, they'll look at it, give me notes. I'll do those notes over the weekend, and then I'm finished with Batman: The until I want to go back to it Jock is only drawing he's still just drawing four now so I have plenty mm-hmm. of time like I'll return to it in a couple of weeks and look at it again right. but this week Justice League um, 22 is where Jorge is and mm-hmm. even though um, he's he has like 10 or 11 pages left so he won't be done for two weeks next week is my, my thing to do Justice League 23 so I have it planned out I'm going to do that so it's all on a kind of It's all on a kind of big calculated schedule where because um, if I'm on time, it works really well not to have to switch back and forth. Lettering comes in as, as, you know, like so next week I'll have to do lettering for Justice League 17, Mm -hmm. and I'll also have to do Justice League um, 23, which puts me in a mindset of all Justice League for a week. And sometimes I stay two weeks in one area, but I just never, I never try and write two different things in one one week. I used to do it, like, when I started. And, you know, I had, there was one a couple years where I had so many books that I was, like, all over the place, and it just didn't work out well for me. I was you know, I don't think anybody likes doing (laughs) that. They can avoid
0: it, so. And then on that note, because you've been talking on social media about um, wanting to work on a creator-owned project, like, um, what kind of mindset do you get into when you're thinking about an original idea versus the established characters that you're writing now? Like, is it a kind of a different kind of place you have to take yourself to say, hey, you know what, this is something that hasn't been done before? Yeah, it's completely different.
1: They're, like, the most different, and I've been working on a lot of creator own lately just on the side for myself, like, just for my own kind of peace of mind. Um, little projects, you know, so, some big, but with with a lot of my kind of partner artists that you would associate me with, but the, I want to try new things on the side and the, um, kind of process of that is just the complete opposite from superhero comics because Mm -hmm. superhero comics, you're always triangulating like, with the f- certain facts and one of those facts is that c- people love these characters way out of you and outside of you mm-hmm. and have expectations for those characters and have history with those characters and you're selling them on your personal sort of um, exploration of a subject matter through those characters. They already love the characters, they just don't know if they love you writing them, mm-hmm. you know, um, if they pick up the book. In Creator Owns, there's no expectation and the only reason they come there is usually because they have some affinity for you or you you know, you're writing or you're selling them on an idea they've never heard before. So everything is the, is the opposite. You're, nobody knows the characters better than you because you made them up. Like nobody knows the mythology better. There's no history, there's no continuity, there's no anything. So I love working on them both simultaneously not to say weak, but working on having projects that are going, that flex such incredibly different muscles because it keeps me really young as a writer and fresh because mm-hmm. they just totally opposite sides of my brain. Where I'm working on one right now that's a, a creator on that's a horror story about a guy who discovers the pieces of a film from the 1930s. Like, it might have been a great horror movie, like Frankenstein you know, from the studio system in the, in the 1930s, but got mm-hmm. destroyed in a fire. Um, and so he tracks down the director and screenwriter of that film who's still alive in a rest home who's, like, 102. And he goes to find him and say, what What was this film? And it begins this horror story that takes place all in the rest home. It's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, that is all experimentation, you know? It's mm-hmm. like I get to include parts of the film, the artist is drawing parts of the film, you know, in black and white. And it's just you – there's nothing – there's no calculus around what people know and already believe and already want, already love about the characters or the world or the mythology you're working on, mm-hmm. it's all brand new.
0: Yeah, so you're you're creating you're creating the people and the personalities and their interactions, and you get to set the tone of well, This is how this character would interact with a police officer or with a nurse, and there's no expectation of someone saying, "Well, you know what." this is how this person usually does this. I I, I can see. Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, I know I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, To anything creator owned you have coming out is cause I, 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 I I love the, the balance between like, I love uh, reading when, uh, like when Jeff, uh, is writing, uh, the terrifics, I love reading it, but I also like reading, uh, his uh, his other stuff. That's not that's uh, not you DC. So black hammer and everything. Yeah. Completely. Oh yeah. Like, I love love that stuff. So it's um. So I I like the I like the difference because it it always feels like a it, it almost kind of feels like you're looking at a writer like stretching his legs a little bit and trying something different and then, and and that can only enhance the thing that they're going back to work on that's established. It's like, I totally hey, agree.
1: Yeah. That's a really good way of putting
0: it. Well, on that note, I really want to thank you again for for your time. I know you I know oh, I sure. definitely know you're you 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 have got a lot of stuff going on <laughs> and <laughs> I do. And I don't want to keep you from it because I am reaping the benefits of it. So <laughs> Oh well thanks, brother. I appreciate it, Darren. And um
1: let's just make a habit of it. I know I say that and then we I get lost. But now that, you know, Let's get into a rhythm where we'll we'll try and talk more often about some
0: of this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, anytime you want, uh, let me know, and i will make fun at night. And <laughs> I would say I know you're going to be. Uh, I said I know you're going to be busy coming up soon, so I'm. <laughs> this is definitely going to. So I'm going to definitely let you set the tone, even if you just want to call and say, "Look, I." I need to talk to an adult for, uh, <laughs> for a few <laughs> absolutely. minutes. Absolutely. That would be a lot of fun, man. I'd love that. Yeah, absolutely. So Great. All right, man. Well,
1: I'll talk to you soon. And, um, yeah, just give me a heads up when you're going to publish it, and I'll retweet.
0: I absolutely will. All right. Second. Have a good night, brother. You too. Man. So that was episode 51 of the Superpowered Fancast. I want to thank you all for listening. Um, you can always uh, find news and reviews uh, you can re- uh, find my review of Batman Who Laughs number 2 on, uh, on my website, SuperpoweredFanCast.com. Uh, you can find my reviews of Justice League and all the Justice League issues on uh, Geeks Worldwide. That's the GWW.com. Um, you can always follow me on uh, Twitter, at SuperpoweredFan. You can check out uh, our Instagram at SuperpoweredFanCast or our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash SuperpoweredFanCast. Uh, until then, uh, or you can email me at uh, SuperpoweredFanCast at gmail.com. Please, uh, if you would like the episode, uh, write a review on, on iTunes or anywhere that you uh, get your your podcast from I really appreciate the feedback I would love to to know more uh, who you would like me to talk to I have some some other uh, uh, creators and writers and actors and people that I'm that I'm reaching out to uh, to talk to this year and I'm trying to uh, get to more cons and do more interviews and just kind of bring more uh, new and exciting content Uh, so but your suggestions are absolutely uh, wanted and and, uh, it's, and please let me know, uh, what you think and what you like and what you don't. And, um, until then, until the next episode, uh, this is Darren saying thank you for listening.